This is the Blackout Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people that man do amazing things. And today I have Jay at Dr. J Permanent that what don't you do actually let's start with that what don't you do because i know you do tattoos and photography and art and giga is a great influence but let's start with what you don't do what i don't do yeah <laughs> windows <laughs> and long walks on the beach oh my god <laughs> so uh i've lots thanks for coming on the podcast <laughs> my pleasure my pleasure so um let's start with what brought you into photography? Uh, I was very young, um, uh, and I very much enjoyed mechanisms, uh, small mechanisms, things that rotate upon other things that rotate. And I became fascinated with one of my father's cameras. Uh, I think it was five. Um, it was broken, so he let me have it as a toy. Mm. And as I aged through playing with this mechanism i became fascinated with it and what could it do and by the time i was eight i was starting to take photos oh, and wow. then it just went from there what what, what, what things were you taking photos of initially <laughs> nothing <laughs> uh, 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 feet uh, what what does an eight-year-old focus on i i don't know it's the dog <laughs> you know corner of a room <laughs> it's hard to say it's hard to say and then um so you had that camera at eight and where did it progress to um the, it was still more so a, a a play thing for me it wasn't based out of expression or anything not at mm. that age uh but when i was in my early teens uh ooh, okay maybe 12 Mm. Yeah, 12 or 13. Um, I was in Banff. Uh, uh, oh, in nice. Banff uh, National Park. Yeah. And we were driving along the uh, one of the major roads, and there were mountain goats all over the place, rams and stuff. Mm. And some of them were right on the side of the road. So as we were moving by in the car, be it slowly but moving by, um, I had a proper camera at that time and a shop Pentex K1000. And with the window still up, I turned over and snapped a singular photo of one of these rams next to the road. Mm. And uh, it turned out to be actually quite good. A um, couple of people had commented on it, and my father was very much into architecture at the time. So he knew a lot of people. He had them assess it, and they said, mm -hmm. There's something going on there. <laughs> so I'd say from about that time on, it's never stopped. Oh. It's it's just changed as to where it goes. Did yeah. you go to school for it? No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, but a good friend of mine uh, from way back in the day uh, by the name of Eric Bootler-Brown, he's a, another local area artist, uh, actually started to teach me the fundamentals of darkroom technology. Oh. So actually doing film developing and stuff. And mm. that's when uh, I started to really get introduced to the technical side, which I won't lie is not my strong suit. Mm. Uh, I go more from a sculptural sense and lighting. I sculpt with the lighting. I use a constant on system. So there's no flash pods or anything. Mm. 
And um, so I then became classically trained with film, not with computers. Mm. And that was some time ago. How was that transition, <laughs> though, from film to digital? There seems to be quite a difference between the two. Uh, I would never have a fear that digital will erase film, uh, mm. as we know now that there is a huge movement to go back to film now. Uh, unfortunately, here in Halifax, it's very hard to get access to that stuff without uh, a fair amount of cash. Uh, and you have to send a lot of these things away half the time. Um, so a lot of people are just setting up their own dark rooms, mm -hmm. bathtub developing, so on and so forth, and trying to put it together themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's tricky, but the transition has been more so, I'm finding uh, people who are liking my work are liking it because of its look. Mm. how it makes them feel as it is with most artists but in this case they've been so overburdened with such digital uh, extras filters and and all of these things really have a completely different look than classically trained photography and you can almost always spot a photographer who started in film and moved to digital mm. versus an artist who started in digital and is trying to make it work in film. Mm. Uh, they only go one way. I find <laughs> they, don't, they don't go the other. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I've tried to shoot with film. It's so difficult. You have to get it right. It's not forgiving. Nope. <laughs> completely unforgiving yeah you, you've got this much space yeah. to make something work for you yeah so you better get it right yeah or you just cost yourself a lot of money but i guess you know coming you're right because if you if you've trained your mind to know this is the space i have and then you go from there to where you have pretty much whatever you want to do it's easier to make it look even twice as good with yes. that one yes uh when uh i shoot predominantly in the studio mm. but i also enjoy shooting outdoors as well a lot when i can which isn't as easy as shooting in the studio mm. um i have my own so i don't have to worry about booking time yeah. uh when you're even though i shoot digital i don't shoot film I only work on it in the ways that I would work on it if I was in a dark room. Mm. I don't use filters. I don't use any of that stuff. Uh, there's a process called dodging and burning uh, where you can lighten or darken specific parts mm. of an image. And I'll do that and I'll desaturate something. Anything that you could do with a photographic enlarger, I will do. Uh, but the tricks and stuff, I won't. So that means when I'm in my camera... Mm. And I have my subject, and we're getting ready to go. I do as much as I possibly can through the camera versus having to do it in post. Mm. Uh, it's just, it was trained into me that you're about to blow. You know, if you don't get this right, you're going to blow your time in the dark room. You're going to blow your paper. You're going to blow your film. So mm. get, it, get it right. So, um, but some of the models we work with say they've shot with someone that. Uh, has like a predominantly digital background the setup time isn't that much right yeah. but from what you say your setup time is significantly larger yeah. than most uh do you have a situation where model comes in and it's like oh man this person took five minutes and you're here setting this thing up for that long well actually because of how i work mm. uh, the transition from film to digital 
was part of my saving grace. Mm. So my setup time is minuscule now because oh. I've I uh, use a constant on system, mm. which means my lights are always on, and I use a sculptural process to move them into position to get the lighting right, mm. which means very rarely is my lighting the same. It's very organic, uh, as opposed to setting up a shot. So there's a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah, yeah, Hurry yeah. up and wait, and boom, there's an image, and then a reset. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. me, a reset is actually adding or subtracting lights, mm. but the movement of the light to get it into the scene or the reprogramming of a stop mm. is something that I actually do on the fly. Oh, okay. Um, so a number of people that I've worked with have reported that I, I just shoot a tremendous amount very quickly. So a, a two to six hour shoot with me gets you a lot of images, not as much as some, but each image is closer to the mark mm. than it would be if it was if you were just relying on the digital world to save gotcha, you. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So um, now what, let's let's reverse back. You did the mountain go painting, and then you said, oh, "Okay, there's something here. Start working on that." When do your paintings start becoming like Giga? Esque. My paintings are my photography. Photography. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> your photos start getting Giga esque. Uh, when I learned what he was doing, mm. when I got more in touch with Herr Giger, more as a, an individual than just a Swiss surrealist, uh, he was a truly interesting and fascinating man who had very real issues, very real problems, and where his work came from. Mm. So as I was younger... At the time, I didn't. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't quite develop the way a lot of other people go because it was <laughs> predominantly dark upstairs. And uh, my mother, God bless her, she fostered all of that. She was like, yeah, "Go for it. If that's where you're going to go, you just, you just do that." <laughs> so um, your mom, she's Canadian. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, French. Canadian? No. 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 Oh, okay, no. Okay, no okay, okay, all okay. English from Ottawa, from Ottawa. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, but very much a hippie from the day. <laughs> so it was if if you've put forward 110 yeah. percent, uh, then you'll never complain at all because you've done your best. Mm. Failure is always an option. Mm. Um, my father was the work solves all. Because mm. he has like an architectural yeah, background. That's all he ever did was just work, 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 work. Mm. And if you have a problem, work and mm. it'll be fixed. Mm. Yeah. And um, in what ways did, I mean, so how, how did your mom nurture this? Well, uh, being slightly unconventional herself mm. uh, and not believing that uh, a young mind should be curtailed in any way did not place expectation on me of where to foster my drive. Mm. Uh, if I wanted to do something, whether it was mainstream, not mainstream, if it was part of a school system or if it wasn't, she didn't care. Just as long as I did it wholeheartedly, mm. uh, which led to some very interesting problems for her. <laughs> like what? Me dragging home weird things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> old cast iron stoves, telecom communication boards, <laughs> building robots in my room, you know, it's, uh, weird to animal parts. Like, I was a very, very strange kid. <laughs> I went, when did you start taking photos 
Uh, actually, let's go with when did they start taking photos out, kind of based off Giga's things. Uh, off of his work, particularly, uh, I, I, I started as a sculptor, mm. uh, and through sculpture, getting used to the light. Um, by the time I was 15, um, I had watched the alien uh, as much as any human should, <laughs> maybe. And I just, every time I saw it, I, saw, I found something fascinating mm. because I was looking at it from a sculptural sense. Yeah. So when I started, and I was already a selling sculptor at the time, so... It wait, was wait, wait, sorry, you were selling expensive. your sculpture at 15? I was selling my sculpture at uh, at 12. Holy smokes. Uh, I had my first commission sale when I was 13. Oh, uh, wow. I, I had done some repair work on some uh, turn-of-the-century Italian busts uh, where I had to match the plaster. And uh, there was newspaper stuffed inside from... A hundred years ago, which I thought was fascinating and everything, but I had to match it all and then send it back to the client, and it went very well. Wow. So that that was my first foyer into that. Mm. Um, but from the, from the Giger standpoint, mm. once I started to understand, uh, even from this uh, Fox movie to uh, holding something in my hand and moving it around, I got a sense of the light that was being used. Mm. But I was also costing myself a huge amount of money. I mean, as, <laughs> as all pursuits do. So uh, I was, uh, I was 15 and I had a camera set up, not a lot of expensive gear, but expensive for the time because mm. we hadn't moved digital yet. And, uh, I was trying to deal with dark rooms and I was trying to, it was getting, ridiculous in mm -hmm. the costs uh, for on a sculptural side because of the materials that I was using. So I said, why don't I just start taking pictures of the work that I like so much? So the sculpture stepped into photography as I was starting to take pictures of my sculptures. Mm. And then as I was starting to do that, uh, I share a little bit with my father. I like architecture. So I was starting to do architectural photography as well leading to more light and shadow, more form and design. And then it just kept going and going until I had the confidence as a younger person to say, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Mm. So I'm going to do what I want to do. So I started being pretty dark. With <laughs> that. And, that's, and that's where the, the Giga work started to become fully realized. Mm. Uh, not his work, but my interpretation of it and how I wanted to let my own little, mm. my own little id out. And uh, he taught me that. And that's where it is today. Wow. Do you remember the very first time you took uh, a new photograph? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm embarrassed because you feel like you should remember your first time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I believe that had to be uh, the better part of about 15 years ago. Mm. Um, I'm going to say yes. About 15 years ago was my first. Um, and and 
it was a female form, mm. uh, a delightful woman, and I was very happy for her to assist me. Uh, I'm not really going to mention her yeah, name yeah, or anything, yeah. but uh, it was great. Uh, it was scary. It was uh, nerve-wracking. Mm. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing because I, I was used to things that were able to stand still. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, at the same time, I wanted to portray her my way, but I wanted to portray her favorably. I didn't want to creep anybody out yeah, per, yeah. per se. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I was I was nervous as hell, and mm. I just wanted to make sure that she was going to be okay. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it turned out well. Um, I don't even think I've kept the image over oh. the years uh was I've it kept digital others. no oh. it was film wow all my first stuff was film okay uh there was no digital at the time yeah. at, at the time if you could find a digital camera it was ridiculously expensive and and, and huge and cumbersome mm. yeah absolutely but uh yeah it all started in film oh, so wow. the effects that or you know the quotable effects that you would have found in it were done by layering negatives on top of negatives in, inside of caddies and cutting out little shapes and waving them over the image as oh. you're as you're trying <laughs> to expose it. It was, yeah, it was quite complex. That's a little work. It was. How did tattoos start? Uh, well, after after sculpture started to fall by the wayside for me because of its expense. And quite honestly, it's very expensive mm. to purchase. I mean, you're talking about for any sculptor mm -hmm. that does the work, they're working with their hands and there is no greater challenge or time mm. consumer than that. Yeah. So that's what you're paying for. And you're going to pay for sculpture. Uh, Halifax doesn't really support financially that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so I was looking at another way to bring my painting, my sculpture, uh, my technical skills into trade. And I just thought, mm, tattooing sounds good. <laughs> um, plus, I liked it. Uh, I'm very much a traditionalist. So I did a lot of research on where it was coming from. And this was all from a young age. I was 16 when I was entertaining this and then found somebody to apprentice me before I was 17. Oh, wow. And then apprenticed for two years and then opened my first tattoo shop uh, at 18. What? In, in 1988. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, think, I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, what made you decide to open your own shop that, that young first? Um, uh, there's something about how I work that I would rather have control over absolutely everything. Mm. I'm not necessarily a control freak, but when I'm doing an artistic pursuit or something that I need to understand, mm -hmm. I need to take over completely so I can fully get into learning it, understanding it and adapting it to, to what I need mm. to happen. And I needed another source of income and tattooing was a type of expression that I greatly admired mm -hmm. at the time. But from more a traditional standpoint than what was modernly going on at the time, which was a lot of Tasmanian devils with hockey sticks and beer and <laughs> <laughs> butterflies and fairies. And I, 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 yeah, that's, that's not really my venue, but, um, 
we all have to start somewhere. Mm. And I thought it was interesting. And what could I do with that? Yeah. So I learned the mechanics or was learning or I am still learning to this day and will continue to the mechanics of photography, the mechanics of sculpture, the mechanics of writing, uh, the mechanics of all of these things. So when I took on tattooing, I was doing exactly the same thing. I just had to learn a new tool. Mm. It's like picking up a different paintbrush for the same time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get something out there. So I learned the tool for that particular type of work Mm. and then took it on. Wow. Wow. And you have all these tattoos. Uh, did you, like, was the person you're apprenticing with doing them for you? Did you do them yourself? You d- <laughs> 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 a, lot, a lot of it. A lot of it. Yeah. So uh, it's you and a mirror uh, and. Yeah. Holy smoke. Yeah. The harder, the better, actually. Because <laughs> no, if you can do it on yourself in the worst way possible, so you're. You have to ignore what you're feeling. Mm. Uh, You have to ignore your urge to stop or jitter or whatever. Uh, Then working on a client is almost easy Mm. because they'll throw everything at you. Friends over their shoulders with cameras and... and (laughs) You know, what's this? What's that? What's this? Uh, oh my God, is that blood? <laughs> yeah, but you can't. You got to keep working. You can't let that affect you. You can't put in a wiggly line. You can't say, oops, well, your friend maybe. <laughs> your friend just distracted me. You know, it just it doesn't work. So you'll find, uh, at least from my age, yeah. uh, and I'm, like I said, I'm one of the last ones at my age in town. Mm-hmm. Um, you find a lot of junky tattoos. What are those? On them, on themselves. Oh, because. The- <laughs> <laughs> so their clients get all the good stuff and they put junk on themselves. Like, it's just, it's all, most of the guys that I came up with have retired now. Yeah. And, and they're not doing it or doing it here and there. Mm. And you look at their work and you go, oh, man. <laughs> Mike, I mean, sorry, I was high at the time. It's 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 a really trying endeavor, especially if you are writing words, because it has to be the other way. Like you know, you kind of words. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) And it hurts, right? Like relatively, it's that is completely relative. That it, there is no. I mean, sure, it's not walking a puppy dog on a sunny afternoon in the park. No, it's not. It's, you're being stabbed with needles. Things are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but most of the clients that I work with, my long timers, the ones that have been with me for 15 years plus, wow. it's therapy. Oh. So it's not about what they're feeling. It's the focus that it grants them. Ah. It no, They trust me implicitly. So they just turn their bodies over to me and they know that everything is going to be fine. Mm. And that gives you a certain sense of relief mm. to 
not have to worry about a variety of things for a period of time. So they could come in very frustrated, very upset, uh, or emotional, or manic, uh, just on this crazy roller coaster. Mm. And then through the process of tattooing them and asking them basic questions or being amusing or what they're feeling or just asking them about their day while taking their bodies into confidence allows them to focus mm. very clearly. And they usually go out calmer than when they came in mm. wow i mean well i don't have anyone so i can't uh, here's the thing though um one of the things how do you feel about uh, someone putting their partner's name on their skin i don't that's that's a no that's a, that's a hard solid no why it's and, and a lot of artists are taking this on now yeah uh it's bad luck <laughs> it is it is totally it is completely bad luck and we all believe in it if you want to be divorced or you want to break up you get your partner's name tattooed on you and you guys will be through in no time no absolutely not plus i, I mean the only time where it's acceptable and i have done this obviously mm. is one of the strongest uh wants or or uh, ports of call for tattooing is a memorial oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. all right so if you've been married to the same person for 30 40 years and then all of a sudden they're no longer with you mm. yeah absolutely i'll mm. put their portrait on you if you want because that that is a love that will never die mm. it's it's stood the test of time it's there and now that person has moved on mm. yeah i'll do it mm. but if we're talking about yeah i want to get his name's bobby joe and i <laughs> and i want to get it i'm like no you want to go to zellers you want to get, you want to get one of those licking sticks because i'll tell you bobby joe ain't gonna last a fortnight <laughs> bobby's leaving the building <laughs> Yeah, I, I, personally, well, I, you know, I kind of feel that way too, because I think maybe like if if it's your child's name, your child is always no, going to be your no, child, so you know, child's and parents, exactly. Uh, yeah. But like this person, you don't know, and then you have to know like cover. Um, so if someone has a tattoo, right, and then they want to like cover it or change it, isn't it? It's 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 more tasking on that part of the skin, Absolutely, right? Yeah, it's harder. Uh, not a lot of people do cover-ups. Uh, I mean, you can do a simple cover-up by just smearing black all over the place. Uh, oh. But, uh, and especially these days, the artistry has become so good out there. We have so many incredible talents. Uh, as In this town, there are tons of fantastic artists to mm. choose from. Um, some won't take on cover jobs uh, to preserve their work. Completely understandable. Um, others will, to a certain degree. Uh, and it's about um, hubris, uh, look at my work, it's better type thing or anything like that, or just money or, yes, I want to do this for the client. Mm. And then there's another group of people that take it on as something that they want to do because they just can't stand to see somebody that unhappy mm. with something that is with them for the rest of their lives. Mm. You know, And that would be myself and a couple of others. Um, it, there's so many shops here in town that you throw a rock, you'll hit one. It's like trying on a suit. Uh, not everyone is for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
shop around, ask some questions, but when it comes to cover jobs, it's it's a little bit more of a a small eclectic field. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, and um, is that because of how? Like reading up on the history and the culture behind tattooing is that what influenced the name of your tattoo shop permanent ink <laughs> well i think <sighs> permanent ink I'm just i i can't say it was lofty at all it was literally hey, it's ink <laughs> and it's permanent it's permanent <laughs> Look at that. Uh, yeah, there was nothing lofty behind it at all. Uh, maybe I could say for myself now, yeah. as I have grown mm. through the industry and through my own business mm. and through the, the extraordinary people that I've met and that I've worked with and their stories mm. and how, because once you're in that chair, yeah, there for hours and the hours. Same. Yeah. yeah, everybody's the same. You could be this big Anglo beef tech kind of guy or this tiny little girl from school and it, it, it all melts away. Mm. Uh, so after hearing all of that, maybe permanent ink to me over time just served as a reminder that what I am doing is changing others permanently. Mm. What I'm offering is permanent to them and they want it to be. Mm. Um, and not to be schmaltzy about it, but the, the honor of having somebody say, I want you permanently putting my thoughts on me because I trust you to do that mm. is something that's always spurred me on in the industry, mm. even through its rough times and its good times. I think it's always been there in the background for me. That so uh, why do you think there are so many tattoo shops? Like, like it's you popular. Said? Oh, people always want tattoos. Uh, it's popular. It's popular. <laughs> I mean, I, the generation that I'm from, I've gone through four different iterations of tattooing. Mm. Uh, from only sailors and thugs. <laughs> so the rough guys. Uh, you got nothing but time on your hands in prison. So, hey, <laughs> do something horrible to me. Uh, through to... Uh, not necessarily that cross-section of society, but one approaching a little bit more mainstream, the kids wanting the fun stuff, maybe some older people wanting to rework stuff. Mm. And then thirdly, it, it moved grossly into popularity after a movie, believe it or not. Uh, it was a Tarantino film called uh, Dusk Before Dawn. Oh, the vampire dusk, one. Dusk to Dawn, yeah. Uh, where George Clooney appears in this movie uh, with what looks like a little bit of tribal work on his neck. Mm. And you don't see any of it through the entire movie. And then by the end of the movie, he's actually taken off his sleeved shirt. Mm. And it's this huge tribal piece that goes down his arm. Oh. At the exact same time that that came out, uh, Pamela Anderson did a, a kind of a schmaltzy flick uh, Bob barbed wire. wire and she had barbed wire tattooed around her arm that's it uh, that did it for men and women across the board everybody started to get it it all started oh yeah and tribal to this and tribal tribal and I want an armband and an armband and even though I hate that work now it started there mm. right so now Women got that fostering to do that. And then the lower back tattoo was it was popular in the 80s as well. But it really started to pick up into the, the everyman mm. started to take on tattoos. And that was 
the last huge reiteration of tattoo within the culture. Mm. And now we're seeing that done now is a question of what you wanted to depict to the people around you in society. So it's estimated now that I I believe it's like 12% of Canadians are tattooed and almost 15% of Americans are tattooed. So we're talking about millions Millions and millions of people. people. And that's just in our culture. Other cultures, it is their culture. Mm. So to find somebody who isn't tattooed is very rare. Mm. And then it all stemmed from the hierarchy of uh, uh, the military versus the everyman in in Japanese culture in feudal Japan, and where tattoos had to be hidden, because you could be put to death. You were a criminal if you had tattoos. Oh wow! Um, and the only people who had fancy clothes or kimonos or anything like that at the time were the samurai. So there was a couple of very popular Japanese folk heroes that were depicted beating the samurai as as the everyman beating the only people who were allowed to have swords. And then at the end would would throw off their robes, their plain robes, and show all the tattooed bodysuit, which was their real kimono. Mm. And they were the Robin Hood of the people. So if you stem that over into... Our current culture, our current Western culture, it is a it's a thumb in the eye. It's it's a I'm I do what I want to. Mm. I'm nobody's big brother. It's it's more of that. And then for the artists themselves, what what is it like? I mean, I understand for you personally, but uh, what is it like? I make great art, so I'm gonna take my art and put it on people's bodies. It's different. Not not everything translates to everything else Mm. uh i I could make a sculpture of one of my photographs that's that's actually something that's coming up down the road um but you can't necessarily have any picture become a tattoo they just Mm. don't translate right the flattest area on the body is our back Mm -hmm. and it's still all right so your, some things just don't translate well to the body. Talking of uh, areas of the bodies, which we parts hurt the most with tattoo? It's different for everybody. <laughs> it is. Well, uh, there are some key parts that, we, you know, you could make some noise over. <laughs> uh, the inside ditch of the arm. Oh. Um, the very back of your cranium. Oh. Like, I, if I ever got a tattoo, I don't think I'd be able, ever able to get one there because if so, it tickles. <laughs> it's you, know, you feel it tickles, but imagine uh, you're getting this in this familiar area that to you, you feel tickles, and then all of a sudden it is not tickled. <laughs> <laughs> that can be very strange for yeah. the mind to yeah, figure yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Uh, backs of the knees, oh. uh, the crook of the leg, um, soles of the feet, palms of the hands. I mean, these spots generally carry unpleasant. Uh, yeah. Do you have people that uh, you've taken photos of and you've done tattoos? Of? I've tattooed almost all of my models. Oh, uh, which which comes first, the tattoo or the <laughs> photography? Uh, that is a good question. I'd say I'd say the bulk of it is photography first, mm. tattooing second. Okay. Um, tattooing, you have to touch the person. Mm. 
you know, you're, you're basically you're manhandling them, but in polite ways. There's skin stretching. You've got limbs. You've got torsos. Whatever. Your hands are on them, and you are definitely in their personal space. Mm. Uh, but there are rules of photography. <laughs> You know, and you, you can't do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe with people you've worked with for a long period of time, uh, just to help them position or get them in and out of some sort of situation or anything like that. Mm. But there is nowhere near the amount of contact. Mm. So the rules for the photography side are much, much more. It's a different level of bravery. Mm. Right. Uh, whereas a tattoo, um, your bravery is what you're about to undergo mm. and have it be permanent. Do you have, <clears throat> cause you have, you have like this great following on Instagram. Do you ever have people read up? Uh, well, models reach out to you to be uh, to model for you. Yes. I How don't, do I don't, uh, I don't ask for models. Mm. Um, it's, I don't know how this is going to sound, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, uh, and I don't mean, uh, I think we have a ton of talented people in this uh, town and all over, and with my exposure through uh, Instagram and uh, privately through phone and other types of communication, mm -hmm. I have been introduced to incredible people all over the world, and I am beyond grateful for that, mm -hmm. uh, but... I don't ask for models. They come to me. Mm. Um, I think once six years ago, I put out a general call. If somebody would like to come and, and model for an afternoon and <laughs> I didn't get any, any responses. Um, but I was less public then I was still concerned with how Halifax was going to take me. Oh. Um, so my I mean, because you have super interesting photos. <laughs> Let's well, put it. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not typical. They're not typical at all. And I, and yeah. I knew that. I knew. I knew I wasn't going to go over very well here. I I get that. It's a shame mm. um, because we have other artists in the area who have done incredible work uh, that just don't get any feedback on it. Mm. Um, so I set out right away back for. Uh, the European and U.S. markets, mm. and that's that's where I am. Okay. So, you know, anything that happens here is great, is wonderful. Uh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, but I'm in print and everything now. So when when that started to happen, I found I just didn't have to concern myself about who I was going to shoot and when, mm. because there were people seeing the work from all over who mm. wanted to be a part of it. Mm. And that's why they come to me. So they, they ask me, it's not, I, I don't think I'm being selfish or stuck up by saying that. Um, I know that for others, it's a bit of a fight. Mm. Uh, they're always trying to get people into the spots and they're always anxious to shoot. Um, I've been very fortunate where I haven't had that problem. Uh, but on the opposite end of the scale, I've had to turn people down. Mm. And that gets that it's hard because I don't want to do that because they're showing a certain amount of faith and trust. Um, but like tattooing is not necessarily for everybody. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, <clears throat> so we talked about your tattooing, your art, and Giga, but I want to end it with this though. Um, what 
advice would you have <laughs> for someone that um, isn't sure about which of their passions to pursue? So, like, I'm interested in X, Y, Z, but I think I want to focus on one or focus on all. What would you say? Do them all. Oh, wow. Do them all. Um, I've lived my life doing that. Mm. All of it. You know, if I want, uh, I had my run-ins with um, bad stuff when I was younger and I had a lot of things to give up. I gave them all up at once. Mm. Um, I wanted to take on a variety of artistic endeavors. I took them all on. Uh, it's <laughs> from my father. It's just work. And they will actually tell you how to sort them out. You know, who's going to take priority? What thing is really going to get you moving? But unless you give it it's trial under fire, mm. right? So if I took on tattooing whilst at the same time doing sculpture, whilst at the same time doing the photography, whilst at the same time doing writing and all these other things, mm. and then the tattooing started to get pushed more and more out of the way and I was focusing on the others, then that is the natural attrition of what needs to happen in my mind. Gotcha. And I think that that is the only way to do it. You can't listen to other people tell you, well, don't do that. Look at your focus. <laughs> um, uh, be quiet and leave me alone. You can't let others determine that for you. You have to do it yourself. Mm. Uh, if I knew when I started uh, a particular type of photography that I wasn't going to be accepted here and I allowed that mm. to take that away from me, then I didn't deserve to do it in the first place. Mm. So I deserve to to express these things or to find them and see if I'm good at them. Mm -hmm. So I better do it and not be dissuaded by people or problems or too much work because gotcha. it's, that's what it all is. Wow. Thank you so much. Oh, before I let you go, uh, what's your Instagram handle again? It's uh, Dr. J permanent, yeah. uh, D R J P E R M A N E N T. Uh, or you can find me at Suter Photo Works, S-U-T-E-R, Photo Works, P-H-O-T-O-W-R-K-S. Thank you very much. Hey. Thank you, Sarah. Pleasure. A pleasure. Have an amazing time. Actually, I have here. to have you back because you didn't talk about your writing. No, and that's that's newish. <laughs> that's newish for me, but seems to be having an impact. So awesome. I, yeah. I can't wait to have you back. Well, I'd love to be back. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> This is the Blackout Podcast. Thanks for listening.